Welcome to the Bridgeway Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Bridgeway, visit our website at bridgeway.cc. To watch this and all of our sermons, visit our YouTube channel and be sure to subscribe while you're there. For sermon notes, click the link in the description. Today, our founding and senior pastor, Dr. David Anderson, begins our annual Winter Guest Speaker Series. Today's guest is Dr. Alona Proy, the first and only female pastor in all of Albania and the founder of No Blood Feud, Yes to Life Foundation. Dr. Proy's message is one I'm sure you will not forget. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's sermon. Praise the Lord, Bridgeway Community Church. It is so good to see you today wherever you are in the world. Thank you, Pastor Gary, for that reflection on Joseph's life and for Ronald and the entire music ministry. So grateful to be able to lift up God and be reminded about him being the God and the Lord of the breakthrough. I am so excited today because we get to kick off our five-week winter guest speaker series. And I want to tell you about our guest speaker today, the Reverend Dr. Ilona Proy. She's going to be with us in just a few minutes. You know, uh, Pastor Ilona is a public speaker internationally, and particularly on the topic of forgiveness and reconciliation. She, she has addressed this topic all over the world. We met for the first time a few years ago at the National Prayer Breakfast, and I was hosting and moderating the session for a state dinner, and she was the main speaker, so we got to sit together, and we hit it off immediately. She reminded me uh, last night when we uh, were together as a group having dinner, she reminded me that we've been working on this for like three years. And so I'm just so excited that finally she gets to be here and I get to share her and her story with you. She has a lovely family, although she suddenly became a widow and a single mom, and I'll let her tell you about that. She has two great children, a son, Gabriel, who's 21, and his daughter, Sarah, who's with her today who's 18 years old. But let me tell you a little bit about her background before I invite uh, Pastor Ilona from Albania up to the stage so you can meet her. First of all, regarding leadership, she is the vice president of the Evangelical Alliance of Albania and the lead pastor of the Word of Christ Church. She's also the director of the Path of Hope Counseling Center and the founder and the director of No Blood Feud, Yes to Life Foundation. You'll learn more about that uh, as well. It's a foundation that's very active to fight against blood feuds in a holistic way to care for families who are suffering from this phenomenon in North Albania. Education-wise, she's got her doctorate degree in psychology and her master's of science in counseling. And she's an award winner from the president of Albania. She received the National Golden Medal of Mother Teresa for the humanitarian work that she has done in Albania. Most of all, what you know, need to know about Pastor Ilona is she is a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, a friend of mine and a friend of our church now. And so let's give a warm welcome wherever you are, in your living room, in your kitchen, in your car, wherever you are, chat it up in the chat and welcome now. I present to some and introduce to others the Reverend. Dr. Ilona Roy. Thank you. Go get him. 
Wow, thank you very much, Pastor David, for all this introduction. But uh, to me, like the best part of that is I'm a passionate follower of Jesus, and I am happy to be his daughter. Um, Bridgeway Community Church, I want to start my word with the verse from John 16, 33. Jesus says, before he goes to the cross, he gathers his disciples together and he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have troubles, but take heart. I have overcome the world. There are three truths in this verse. The first one is, in this troubled world, the only place to find peace is Jesus. The second truth is that Jesus is saying to his disciples, in this world, you will have tribulations. So what is so interesting there, it doesn't say you might have, or if you behave good, you will not have. But it says you will have tribulations. But then the other truth is take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. As I share my story this morning, I want you to focus not on the, in the tragedy of the event, but I want you to focus in the presence of Jesus in the valley of death. And as I share this, I know for sure that this week you will be faced with situations that you will be challenged to make this message as part of your life. It's all about choice. It's a choice that you do to obey the word of God or to continue your own ways. So let me tell you a little bit of my story. I was raised in Albania, which, is, which was the most atheist country in the world. For about 50 years, we had communism. And our dictator, he declared Albania as an atheist country. And he was the god of Albania. We were in a spiritual desert for so long. And we were so hungry to know more about God. So in 1991, Albania, the communism fell down and there were so many missionaries coming into our nation and they preached the gospel of Jesus. So I gave my life to Jesus when I was 11 and it was a life-changing moment in my life and in my heart. And I know that for some of you, when you uh, are born in a Christian family and you grow up in a Christian society, sometimes we get it for granted the blessing that is to have Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But Jesus made a total change into my life. And that in, an, in an early age, I was engaged and I was married in the north of Albania. I come from the south of Albania. And as I was um, having my family and having my son and my daughter, me and my husband, we were pastoring the Word of Christ Church in the north of Albania. And as I we were pastoring together... There were so many women coming and begging for food in the church because they were suffering because of the blood field. Now, I know that for many of you that it was for me too, it was so ununderstandable what blood field is. So this is a phenomenon happening in the north of Albania and is about 500 years old that it is based in the Old Testament, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And if somebody of your family kills somebody of my family, 
all men of your family has to be prisoned in the house in six generations because anyone that will be found in the streets, he will be the target of revenge. And for you to be the target of revenge, you have to be a man because a woman is not precious enough to wash out the blood of a man and you have to be related to the first murderer. So as we were serving God in Skoder and meeting so many families, to me, it was nonsense that this was going on. Until one moment that one, one day, the uncle of my husband, in an arguing in his restaurant, he killed a man. And when this happened, you know, it was our time to react. And I understood in this time, and I understood that so many times we like to react and not to act. Because many times we think that if something is not happening to me, this means that it's not happening anywhere. So blood feud was happening around me, and I was not aware of that. And not only not, not being aware, but I was not active to fight that and to speak for the people that who, they couldn't speak until blood feud knocked at my door. So the moment the uncle of my husband killed this man, about 25 men of my husband's family, they have to be prisoned in the house because the first one that will be out will be the target of revenge. And the worst strategy of the blood feud is they never kill the killer. They never, even if they have got the chance, take revenge of the first murderer. They try to find the best and the youngest in the family to cause the deepest pain. In a situation like this, my husband being the pastor of the church and my son in the age of four, Gabriel, they have to be prisoned in the house because they were punished of a crime that they never did. So we were praying the Lord. He, my husband, he was never going to church. Four years, never being out. Every weekly meeting, we will have them in our house. And we were praying, God, what is your calling in this valley we are going through? If you will ask me about definition of life, to me, life is the sum or the amount of top of the mountains and deep valleys. And you know, many times as people, we are so afraid to go into the deep valleys because it is dark, it is cold, it is loneliness. But walking through the valleys might be an opportunity for allowing God to work in your life. It is okay to walk in the valley because deeper the valley is, higher is the top of the mountain. But what is my challenge to you is make sure you are not stuck in the valley. Keep walking. Keep walking because ahead of you, there is the top of the mountain. So in our deep valley, we were praying, God, God, what is your calling in all this situation we are going through? And God spoke us through Genesis 28, 15. God says to Jacob, I'll protect you wherever you go, but I will bring you back to fulfill the calling I have for you. So we left to go to England, and we were supposed there to be for two years. But only after two months, my, husband's come, my husband comes to me, and he says, Honey, this is time to go home, and this is time to fulfill the calling. 
And as a wife, I was hoping that maybe when we are back, God will make a way. God will open a road that the other family will forgive us and we will be happily serving God in our calling place. But when we were back, we found out that the other family has chosen Tani as the youngest and the best of the family. And when we found out this, we were praying so much, God, show us your calling. And God reminded my husband, the day when he gave his life to Jesus, he said, God, my life is not anymore mine. My life is yours. And he said, I heard God saying to me, if your life is mine, go out and serve me. And when he came to me saying, I'm going out, I'm serving God. And if God says this is time to go home, I'll go home. I was afraid. I was afraid of two things. I was afraid for the life of my husband. But I was also afraid for being a stone in my husband's race with God and calling so I started to read stories. How can you protect somebody that is a target of revenge? And stories will say that if they are accompanied by their wife or children, they will never be killed. Because if they witness the crime, they never forgive. And the cycle goes on forever. So I ran after him for one year, every day, doing ministry. And not having a normal life was going to church and coming back home, serving God together. And after one year, for the only day that he was alone, coming out of the church, the brother of the first victim that his uncle killed, shoot him in the door of the church and sent him to be with the Lord at the age of 34. Now you may ask, is this the calling of the Lord? Is this what God has called us to go through? Is this a cross that everybody should carry? I can say today, for my husband, yes. This was the calling of the Lord. What about us? What about me? My first prayer when I found out what happened was, God, put an angel in my mouth that I will never speak against you. I was afraid of my flesh and blood. But what I understood in the middle of the pain is that pain gives you luxury. Pain gives you a megaphone. But what is the difference in the middle of the pain is that you will not speak out of what you know, but you will speak out who you are. Imagine Jesus while crucified. He had the loudest message in all his life from the cross when he screamed out and said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. And for me, going through the valley of death, I learned and I met my father. I have known my father like never before. And there are three things that I want to share with you. What I've learned 
in my valley of death. You know what, I, what kept me alive was the confidence, and it is the confidence that my father is a good father. Brothers and sisters, nothing that happens around you changes this attribute of God. He is a good father. Nothing that is happening to you this morning changes this attribute of God. And this was the most powerful thing I had to hold on in the confidence that my God, my father is a good father and he knows best. He knows the end from the beginning. And if, if he has allowed this to happen, he knows best. But as human beings, as flesh and blood, we have this temptation that we want to know. We want to know why God? Why me? Why my husband? Why my children? Why, Lord? We were serving you. We were called by you. Why, Lord? And the other thing I learned in my valley of death is that as children of God, we are not called to understand we are called to obey. As children of God, we don't have the capacity of putting God in our little box of understanding. He's God. He's infinite. And if we want to put God in our box, we can't. And the best way to answer to your trials is obey God step by step and ask him if you don't have the faith. Ask him to help you and his Holy Spirit to walk with you step by step. We are not called to say, why, Lord? But we are, we are called to say, yes, God. Yes, God. Even in the valley of death, make a step and say, yes, God. Yes, God, I will obey you. And as you obey the Lord... Your wives are so far behind you and they are not important anymore. I don't want to know why. Because I have seen the goodness of the Lord and I have seen the blessings of the obedience. And the third thing I learned from the Lord is, brothers and sisters, I know this is difficult. I know this is like a surgery of the heart, but it is necessary Listen to this. We are called to obey, but also we are called and commanded to forgive and not suggest it. When Jesus taught his disciples, he didn't say to them, I suggest you, if you feel okay, and if you are healed, forgive others. He commanded them. To forgive and we as the children of God we are commanded to forgive our enemies how did I forgive it was my son that taught me forgiveness at the age of 10 you know one week before my husband was killed he had his last coffee with his brother and he asked him to promise that if he was going to kill because of the blood feud they will forgive his blood and a week later he was killed and the family had to forgive the killer because this was the last word of their son. But you know, 
Forgiveness doesn't come from outside. It is a process of the heart. And for me, it was not enough, just the word that you have to forgive. It was a process that it starts from inside your heart. And I was asking God, God, please give me one reason why should I forgive the killer? And I was not that mad with the killer. He was, a, he was a victim of his own community that were encouraging him to take revenge. So I was asking God. And I was bitter and unforgiving. I was saying, God, this is not just. This is not right. And God said to me, who told you that there is justice in the world? Who told you that this, there will be righteousness in the world? I was like, God, I have the right to revenge. God said to me, yes, you have. But are you going to give me the right to be God over your right? Are you going to give me the right to be God over your right? So I was picking my children from school and going in front of the court of appeal. And my son stops there and says, mom, what is this building here? And I said, Gabriel, this is a building that you bring a criminal to give him more punishment. And Gabriel stopped until that moment. I've never spoken to him about the killer of his daddy, about Mark. And I said, Gabriel, the criminals has to be in the prison because if they are outside, they will do other crimes. And as a 10 years old, he said, mom, how poor are the criminals? And I said, Gabriel, if... They deserve that. He said, what about those that have done one crime and they didn't have a second chance? And that was the first moment that I was bold to ask Gabriel that Mark killed your dad. He has done one crime. What are you going to do with that man? And as a child of God, he said, mom, we are going to forgive him. Because as Jesus has taught us to love our enemies, and the only enemy we have is him. Why keeping bitterness in our heart? And to me, that moment, it was a divine moment. It was like the angel Gabriel was bringing news to me from heaven. And I felt so small. To me, it was like if this guy can forgive the killer of his dead, who am I to argue with God? And that was the moment that I took the decision to forgive. And brothers and sisters, sometimes we misunderstand or we define forgiveness in a wrong way. Let me tell you what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. Because I have been learned and I'm learning every day about that. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision. If you will ask me today, do you feel forgiving every day? No, I don't. When my children graduate, when my children accomplish something, I want their father to be there for them. I don't feel forgiving. But forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a decision. And it was that decision that I took that day in that street that I will forgive. It was a covenant that I did with my father. Father, I decide today to forgive. Please help me.
it's a decision. Forgiveness is not a one-time event. It is a process that gets all your life. If you will ask me, have you finished forgiving? I would say to you, no. I wake up every day and I take the decision that I will forgive today. You know, revenge is a one-time event. When you want to revenge to somebody, you just go and do it and it's over. This is why forgiveness is difficult. Because it takes every day of your life. And it's not because you feel it, but it's because you have decided. Also, forgiveness, it is not a natural reaction of things around you. But it is a divine activation of the reality inside of you. Let me repeat. It is not a natural reaction of the events around you, but it is a divine activation of the reality inside of you. When we had Jesus, he has given us a new heart. You need new habits. And the reality, this reality, this forgiveness is a divine gift of God because of this reality and not because of what is happening around us. You will set yourself free when you focus into forgiveness inside your heart and not connect and condition forgiveness from the people that are around you. So forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness is a decision. Forgiveness is a divine gift. And forgiveness is not forgetting. Just bear with me for a moment. How can I forget the day that Mark shoot eight times to my husband? How can I forget the chaos and the trials that that event brought to my life and to my children's life? I can never forget that. But I can choose to not remember. If forgetting... It is an unwilling or unconscious action. When you go out of the house, you forget the keys. You don't want to forget the keys. So it is an unconscious action. Choosing to not remember is a choice. It is a choice of your conscience. It is a choice that you do that fully, willingly. It is a choice that you do that after you know how much you have hurt, how damaged your enemy or your brother or sister has caused to you, you still choose to not remember. So forgiving is not forgetting. And the last thing, that it is somehow so hard. Before coming here, we were praying the Lord's Prayer. And in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught his disciples, when you pray, you pray to the Father, Father, forgive our debts as we forgive others. So focus in the word as we forgive. The Father's forgiveness to us, it is so conditioned of our forgiveness to others. So when you have an unforgiving heart, 
and you do the Lord's prayers, you are literally praying to God as I'm not forgiving my brother or sister the same way, God, you don't forgive me. And Jesus made sure in that prayer, he didn't finish there. In verse four, Matthew 6, 14, he says, for if you forgive other people, when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. And he's not letting there. He's making sure to put it black over the white. And then he says, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive you. So if you choose today to have an unforgiving heart, you are choosing today to receive unforgiveness from your father. Brothers and sisters, unforgiving attitude is a luxury we cannot afford. We have to choose this morning. We have to choose forgiveness. We have to decide forgiveness. Because our father will forgive us as we forgive others. And we forgive others in the same way we understand how much we have forgiven. We would have been dead in our sins and lost in our darkness. But because of that forgiveness in the cross, because of that loud message from the most painful and darkest moment of Jesus, when he screamed out, Father, forgive them. We are forgiven. We are free. And we have a choice to forgive this morning. And if you will wait for tomorrow, it is late. The only time you can forgive is now. If Jesus will wait until his enemies will say to him, I'm sorry, Lord. If he will wait until the, the wounds in his hands will be healed. If he will wait until he comes down from the cross. He would have been gone into the grave in the prison of unforgiveness. And can a prisoner have victory over death? Can a prisoner release other prisoners? No way. Jesus made sure that he was released and he was free to free us. He makes sure to conquer grave and give us that victory. So you have a choice this morning. You have a choice to be a victim and raise your finger against God and say, why, Lord? Why me? But you have a choice to be victorious and to say, yes, Lord. Here I am. I choose to forgive. I decide to forgive. Brothers and sisters, you have a choice to let behind your past and follow God with your present and your future. Do it now. There is no time. Every moment, every other moment is late to forgive. Do it now. And I'm sure that you have the capacity inside of you to turn your crosses into crowns. Because the same spirit that raised Jesus from death is living inside of you. It is a choice. Give him your crosses that he will replace them with crowns of heaven. And it is a choice for you to not ask anymore, why, Lord? 
but say to God, God, how can I bring glory to you, your name? Even in the valley of death, God, I want to bring glory to your name. Today is the day of salvation. Today is your day. Today you can choose to turn your crosses into crowns. And let me close with this. God will never use you if he will never work inside of you. If you want revival in your household, in your neighborhood, in your church, get ready. Allow God to transform you and then make you an instrument of transformation in your community and your life. He is not a hypocrite God. He is the God that if you will allow him to work inside of you and transform you, then, only then, only then he will make you an instrument of transformation in your community. And if you are praying for revival in this church, get ready. Revival is coming. Are you ready? Get ready for the work that God is doing in your heart and through your life to your community. May the Lord bless you and keep you and encourage you and help you in your process of forgiveness. God bless you. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. What a word. Pastor Ilona, thank you so much for bringing your story, for bringing the power of God's word. Not why, but yes, God. Yes, God. Uh, could you tell us just for a couple of moments about the blood feuds now in the country? Because you've done so much as a result of what has happened to your husband in your life. So what's going on now in Albania? Yeah, uh, when, when my husband was killed in his bag, there was a Bible and it was a project against blood feud. So we were back to fight the phenomenon. And we took that project and we founded the foundation that is called No Blood Feud, Yes to Life. And we are helping and we are taking care of families that are prisoned in the house because of this evil phenomenon. And the, the change that we are seeing into the new generation is a blessing of God into the ministry that he has called us to be. So God is working. God is having his ways. The phenomenon is still existing there and is a reality of dead families, mountain families of the north, but God is working through little steps and through the obedience of his children. One of our conversations you talked about sometimes when someone has to kill someone else, it's not necessarily because they want to, but there's a pressure mm -hmm. around it. So can you help us get into the mind of the, the person who has to do revenge? They don't always want to, right? Yeah, so it is like the whole community and the opinion about there, they will encourage them to take revenge because it is an honor and shame phenomenon. So this means like if somebody kills me, you have, uh, you have destroyed the balance 
of the social balance and then for me to be the same as you and to be honored and bring honor back to my family, I have to take revenge. So it is so much pressure. The people that will go and do the, the final act of killing and taking revenge, they are somehow victims of their own communities because they are so pressed and so pressured to go out and take revenge. If they forgive, forgiveness is like being weak somehow. It's being weak and you're dishonoring your family. Mm -hmm. So even a mother would pressure her son yes. to go bring yes. honor to the family by killing someone from the other family. Yes, just for taking revenge. The mother will, will remind the son every day while they will eat food. The mother will say, you are eating food, but your other brother is having earth. Go out and take revenge. So these people, they, are, they don't have... Peace, even in the presence of their own mothers. So you can imagine the, the, the hell and the prison they are living in. What a ministry you have to help turn this around in your country. You know, your son and your daughter just are, are great kids. What has it been like? Uh, I'm waving at Sarah. Y'all won't see her. And I know Gabrielle is around in uh, Bible school. But can you tell us finally before we pray for you, um, what's it like for your kids uh, I, I know what it's like uh, from talking to you as a, as a wife. What has it been like raising two children, knowing that this has happened to their dad? Mm. Um, if I am realistic, there is no words to express. But again, knowing the fact that God is the father of the fatherless and is the help of the widows, he has been a real father to my kids. So it has been a blessing that seeing them growing up and getting healed of what has happened and being healthy, knowing that one day we will be all together and just releasing this fact that revenge is not ours, revenge is of God. And you know, we have gone into a deeper level because it was a revelation of God to our family. When we were praying, God was speaking to us that my revenge is not your revenge. Because we could release it easy and saying, God, make sure you take revenge. We are leaving this in your hands, but we want to be alive and see your revenge. And it was so strong, God speaking, you know, my revenge is not your revenge. And God was so strong saying that my revenge is that Mark comes to know Jesus. And this is our prayer, that he will know Jesus as his Savior. Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, thank you so much again for bringing the word. Amber and I love you. We love hanging out with you and your family. And we want to just say a prayer for you. Yes. Would that be okay? Yes. Uh, Lord, uh, we as a community lift up uh, Pastor Ilona, Gabrielle, and Lord Sarah and her church, Word of Life and the ministry uh, to say no to blood feuds and yes to life. May this powerful message uh, reverberate in our own hearts that we, Lord Jesus, would say yes to you and not why, why, why. And we pray, God, for your protection over Pastor Alona and over her church and over her entire family and now we pray in the name of Jesus that we would be able to say what you said, and that is, Father, forgive them. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.
Thanks for listening to the Bridgeway Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Bridgeway, visit our website at bridgeway.cc. To watch all of our sermons, visit our YouTube channel and make sure you subscribe while you're there. If you'd like to download sermon notes, just click the link in the description. If you'd like to take part in our 30th anniversary challenge, go to bridgeway.cc 30. That's bridgeway.cc T-H-I-R-T-Y. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.